everyone, and welcome to Alopecia's Audacity podcast, proudly hosted by the Canadian Alopecia Areata Foundation. I'm Sarah Teske. I'm Crystal Malcolm. And I'm Lauren Harrison, and we're here to offer a breath of fresh air from those without hair. We're here to challenge the audacity of alopecia to think that it can hold us back from living our best life. We're here to empower and cultivate an open discussion on all things hair loss and how to navigate it with confidence, not only on your own, but with others. You can find CANAF on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn at CANAF. That is C-A-N-A-A-F. And learn more about our organization at CANAF.org. On our homepage, you can subscribe to receive our monthly e-newsletters, and we'll send you updates on our latest episodes, as well as other alopecia news and event updates. On behalf of Canadians who have been diagnosed with alopecia areata, CANAF supports those who have been affected by this autoimmune disease, promotes awareness and education, and raises funds for research. So we're here today to talk about how to cultivate a healthy mindset and even sprinkle in some laughter into your life when you live with alopecia. And let us just preface with this. We do not believe alopecia is a joke by any means, nor is laughing at anyone's alopecia okay. What we do believe, though, is that with time, it's possible to find a humor in your alopecia that didn't used to be there. And being able to laugh to yourself when you're in a dark place can help bring in a little light. And that's what our very special guest, Jennifer Gadowski, is here to talk to us about today. Jennifer is an alopecia advocate, mentor, Nerdiqua, and a content creative that will be launching her very own podcast in April. Hey, thank you for having me. Really happy to be here. Thanks for being here, girl. We're so excited to chat with you today. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this conversation. This is a great topic. (laughs) Yes, us as well. So I just wanted to ask, Jen, can you please tell me what you mean when you say you're a Nerdiqua? Oh, a Nerdiqua. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Um, I have personally branded myself with that name. So um, my background heritage, I am half Puerto Rican and I'm a nerd. So I love everything Star Wars, Marvel, Disney Plus. I have my own nerd community that I'm in. So um, as I've gone through this journey of life, someone asked me, you know, give me one word that describes you. And I was like, Nerdiqua. (laughs) (laughs) So that's what I came up with. (laughs) Oh, that's perfect. We know that you have a podcast coming up and you also do mentorship. Is that correct? Can you tell us a little bit more about those? Yeah. So uh, I'm involved in a very wonderful community called Baltarage, and I've had the opportunity to become a mentor to the young girls in that alopecia community. And we do that once a month on varying topics to help them grow and mature as beautiful young ladies into young women and how to be self-aware very young because as you all know alopecia um, causes you to be very vulnerable without a choice and very exposed without a choice so the leader of that community has basically crafted and cultivated this loving community to help them grow in this world of being different Um, and how to navigate that. So I'm very excited that I get to be a part of their journey. And then, yeah, I have my own podcast coming out next month. It's called Rocking Your Bald, and it's going to be fun, educational, encouraging conversations with alopecians and anyone else who wants to talk to me about a topic. Love it. Are you excited? Oh my God. I am excited. (laughs) I'm nervous. I record and I say to myself at the end of it, what am I doing? (laughs) 
but it's a fun journey. Mm-hmm. It definitely is. From, yeah, we definitely get where you're coming from with that. <laughs> yeah, and technology doesn't like me sometimes. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, always that struggle. <laughs> so yeah, I just wanted to um, ask you to share a little bit more about your story with our with our listeners. Maybe some of uh, them haven't heard of you or, or what your story is. So yeah, if you want to dive in and, and share what that's been like for you uh, living with alopecia. It's been a roller coaster, that's for sure. I I think of alopecia sometimes as Sheldon Cooper from The Big Bang Theory. He just comes in with no respect for anyone and basically just tells you like it is. And then you end up accepting and loving that person in a very strange, unique way. (laughs) Um, So that's how I've kind of come to come to terms in alopecia in some respects. Uh, For me, I was diagnosed with alopecia areata when I was five years old. I was very young. And ironically, it started right after I began kindergarten here in the States. And um, my mother, when she was first introduced to it, they explained to her that it was all stress related. And because we knew very little of alopecia and what triggers it, what doesn't trigger it, they explained to her that it was stress induced because I wasn't doing well in school. But yet that didn't make sense because I'm a social butterfly by trade. And I talk to everybody on the street with no problem. (laughs) So it just didn't make sense. But um, my hair loss was very, very, very gradual. Uh, I had bald spots. They would grow, the hair would grow back very thin. So I had a lot of my hair or most of my hair up until my mid twenties. And then that's when the alopecia started to change. But at one point growing up, especially in high school, I got this one spot on this part of the back of my head on the lower left side where that spot fell out and then just never grew back. And it slowly got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger over time. And at the age of 25, ironically, after I had my tonsils removed, uh, my mom looked at me one day and said, Jen, you overplucked your eyebrow. And I said, I haven't plucked my eyebrow in two weeks because I've been home recovering from surgery. Mm-hmm. And then I went to the mirror and I saw how very thin my one eyebrow on the right side was. And I knew, oh man, she's progressing. Okay. And that was a new change because now I started having one full eyebrow and had to learn how to do eyebrow for one eyebrow. That was a mindset shift. And then eventually by the age, I think of 27, when I lost all of my hair, I went completely bald. I lost my lashes. I lost everything and had this new reality of being a bald woman. That's a, wow. That's a lot to go through. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I can relate to that because my alopecia started when I was six years old. So it's been a, been a very long journey and a lot of ups and downs, but I mean, look at you embracing who you are today. I think that's really powerful and inspiring message that you're sending to everyone out there. Thank For you. Sure. Yeah, I, I love being bald. I don't want hair back. I, I would only want my eyelashes, to be honest, but everything else can just not come. <laughs> everything just gets in your eyes, right? When you don't have eyelashes, it's just one of the downfalls there for sure. I didn't realize how bright the sun was until I lost my eyelashes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. 
sunglasses even on the cloudiest days. It doesn't work. Even if they have 100%, whatever that is, UVC, I think it's called it. Yeah, don't work. (laughs) (laughs) So Jen, I wanted to ask you a quick question. You had mentioned that you're a social butterfly by trade. Love that term. Um, When in your mid twenties, you had mentioned that your alopecia had changed even more. Were you still that social butterfly or did you kind of regress a little bit? I don't think I ever regressed. I think that was the one thing about me that never changed, that remained constant. Because one of the things I've realized over time is I have this gift within me to connect with people really well. It's not hard for me to strike up a conversation with a stranger on the street. For instance, I was out with a relative at a local coffee shop recently, and we were just waiting for our order while she went to go look at something else. And this young woman just happened to stand next to me. We looked at each other, said, hey, hey, and started talking. And my relative came up to me and said, oh, do you know that person? I said, no, I just met her. We just started talking. It's not hard for me to connect with people. And I have a genuine enjoyment when I do Mm. connect with people. Mm -hmm. So even through all the different seasons of alopecia that I've been through, and even with how people have responded to me, that has never gone away. That's remained, like I said, constant. That's incredible because I think for me, and I don't know if uh, Lauren and Sarah can also relate, like I kind of felt like it was hit and miss for me. Like one minute I'd be outgoing and then the other minute I would be more reserved and more of an introvert. So I felt like as my alopecia changed, my mood changed. Do you know what I mean? So I kind of had to learn to come out of my shell on some days more than others. I don't know. Can you guys relate to that? Yeah, definitely. It really depended on the day for me as well. And mm-hmm. even even the the people that I was with would bring me different energies. Uh, so yeah, it, it was like learning to to kind of come out of my shell when even when I didn't want to put mm-hmm. myself in that uncomfortable space and just try and embrace the moment. Yeah, I totally relate to your experiences too. I find that my walk with alopecia is different every day. And so I remind myself, when you change the way that you look at things, the things you look at change. And it is encouraging, but depending on what else is going on in my life that could be recharging or depleting my energy, there are varying amounts of effort that are required day to day. So I'm constantly working on that. I agree completely. Mm -hmm. Do you use a sense of humor to connect with people, Jen? All the time. It's, (laughs) it's, it's, it, it, it happens organically. And I think that's come with the more I've chosen to embrace myself and to heal mentally and to learn who I really am. That's just a natural component that has blossomed on its own and it's still blossoming. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's not hard for me to find humor in some things and it just, it just happens. I don't plan to say certain things. It just comes out. <laughs> <laughs> so how are you even able to laugh? at your alopecia like do you have any funny stories that you can share with us on how you've how you've kind of cultivated the sense of humor and being the outgoing social butterfly that you are and I'm sure I'm wondering if sometimes like when you do find that sense of humor with your alopecia does it throw other people off oh all the time and I love it I (laughs) I have this what if I were a poker player and I'm not, I, I don't know how people play poker. That is a gift. But if I were a poker player, I would always have this one card ready to throw in my hand and throw it down on the table to get a Royal flush every time. So for instance, I was um, at work about, I don't know how long ago, 
but I was working with a vendor in our office because we needed to do an update, a technical update for the office. And I was the point of contact. And this person um, this particular day kept coming to me with different questions. You know, what about this? What about A? What about B? What about C? I'm like, well, then do D, then do E, then do F, you know, just do your thing. You know, you have go forth, you have permission, please do your work. Um, and he came up to me and says, he's like, Jen, I'm sorry. I just have one more question and I'm going to get out of your hair. And my instant reply was, oh, I don't have any. And this person <laughs> in front of my coworker that I work with, his yeah. coworker just looked at me and stared. And my coworker said to me, that is terrible. I'm like, what? It's a joke. It's funny. You can laugh. And his friend was like covering his mouth in shock and the look on his face was so priceless because he didn't know what to do he got so still I'm like, what laugh i don't have any unless it grew back did it grow back am i am, am i hairy now <laughs> it's, it just happened organically where i just it was the first thing that popped in my head i didn't plan to say it it just happened and now every time that comes up which doesn't come up often but i will throw that phrase out there oh i don't have any Hair follicles, yes. Oily scalp, yes. Hair, no. I, that is hilarious. <laughs> I think I probably would have had the same look on my face as that vendor did because I don't know. I don't know how I would have reacted because I think people sometimes have that sensitivity of when they see like a person that's bald, they're not sure if maybe we're going through chemo, if we're unwell or, yeah, absolutely. Are, or if it's just a choice that we're just bald. So it's like, uh, how do I respond? Uh, Cause I don't want to offend her. You know what I mean? But <laughs> the fact that you made a joke out of it. Yeah. So what <laughs> happened? What happened after? Did he say anything? Did he actually come back to you and ask you questions? <laughs> yeah, no, he still worked with me. I mean, I threw him off, but then it challenged them to think like, you know, Hey, the fact that I'm out here very comfortable and I can make a joke it's okay. And then there was another instance where someone was cleaning up their cubicle and they yelled out, whose hair is this? And I yelled, it's not mine. Jen, stop it. That's valid. <laughs> Definitely wasn't yours. You know how satisfying it is to go into a bathroom and come out of it knowing all and any hair on the floor is not yours. Yeah. So satisfying. Mm -hmm. It's true. As, as a roommate with nine other girls, when there are complaints about hair on the floor, I can totally remove myself from the equation. Everybody knows <laughs> I'm not liable. It's like, who's going to clean up the bathroom? Not me. It ain't mine. Nope. Rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> <laughs> so Jen, it seems instances where you laugh it off and use humor, it's probably helped you to realize you don't have to sweat the small things, right? And would you say that others are receptive to that, that if you can encourage them to laugh it off a little bit and, uh, and to not take things so seriously, do you find that they pick up on that energy? I think they do because one of the things with my story that I find that's different from others is the common complaint with alopecia is explanation fatigue. My complaint would be non-explanation fatigue because since I've lived as a bald woman now for as long as I have, and I, I have this energy of comfortability when I walk in the room, people don't question it. They just see me and I'm, and I acknowledge and I can see that they're curious, but I'm at the point now where if they don't ask me any questions, I'm just not going to offer up information. You know, if you want to know, come ask me and I will be more than willing to have a conversation with you because as you can all tell, I'm very talkative. So um, 
But yeah, it definitely changes the energy because people around me are comfortable. You know, I look at people in the eye when I address them at work, you know, give them that respect and knowing that I'm there to do a job, I'm there to serve. And they, and they respond to that. And then when I have those moments where I can make a joke at my own expense, which I'm more than comfortable with, it, it causes them to stop, pause and reflect, and then know that we can be comfortable knowing that I'm a bald woman. For sure. I think even sometimes for me, at least when I, if I make a joke, sometimes it's to help me feel less awkward. If I'm like in a situation where I I feel maybe a little socially anxious or something, you know, if I make a joke, it's to show myself that I'm comfortable with myself and that I love myself because I can poke a little fun at it. And sometimes I use it as a casual way to bring my alpecia into a conversation, like maybe like you said, um, Jennifer, and uh, especially with people I don't know as well. I, I like to open it up in a way that makes people feel comfortable asking about it. Because that's then an opportunity for me to educate and raise a little awareness about it. Because I feel the more people who know about alopecia and know how to talk about it, the more they'll understand how to approach it in the future in conversation, maybe even with others who aren't so comfortable talking about it. Oh, yeah. I um, It's great that you brought that up because I had a friend recently who um, was starting to experience hair loss and she decided to buzz down and do a buzz cut to keep her hair short and she reached out to me she goes Jen I finally understand the stares that you get because people stare at me I'm like yep that's going to happen Mm -hmm. and I'm going to say this with love get used to it (laughs) um so the fact that she had that opportunity to live through something I lived through it gave her a different awareness and I think even though she was already empathetic to begin with, but even more empathy because she's actually feeling what we live through every day, Mm -hmm. just waking up and knowing people are going to look at me. That's it's part of the criteria as an alopecian. I'm going to be with that. I was wondering, Jen, if you, do you get offended if someone else makes a bald joke or how do you react to something like that? It depends on the person and the context of the situation, because I've had both experiences. And there are days, too, where I completely agree with you, where sometimes when I do make a joke is to help me feel more comfortable in a situation, especially if my insecurities are roaring like a raging lion and not leaving me alone. Um, So uh, to answer your question, it depends on the person and the context. So there have been times where I'll be out on the street running errands, minding my own business. And then a bald man will walk up to me and go, Hey, I like your barber. And in most cases I laugh because <laughs> I'm comfortable, but then I do have the moment, like, you know, can you just think about it a little bit more? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and mm-hmm. not make the assumption that I shaved because I didn't. So it just, it just depends. And I'm at the point now in my journey where I could acknowledge He's making an assumption that's going to happen. I get it. I get the cancer assumption all the time. And it's not to knock anyone that's going through cancer. I've had a loved one go through it and I was a caregiver to that person. But, you know, there are just assumptions that we don't get to choose to have people think. So um, in most cases, I'm able to laugh it off and leave it alone. But then there have been maybe one or two times where someone said a joke or made a comment. I'm like, you know, 
that is offensive to me because you really don't understand what I'm living through and what I have to deal with every day because you don't get it. You still have hair. You'll never understand. And I hope you never have to understand because people who go through alopecia, man, they go through the ringer. That's so true. I totally agree. Like if it's, if it's someone you barely know who, you know, makes a tactless joke because they aren't educated enough to know better, I, that's that's not okay, you know. Um, but if it's someone like, you know, someone like a best friend or something like that that you've known for years and there's no malicious intent behind it, then yeah, like I I will I will make some jokes about my alpicia with them, you know. Um, but never at the expense of others. That definitely crosses a line. Yeah, there's a line in the sand with that. It's one thing yeah. to like which I've gotten, you know, Hey, I like your barber. And I'm, I'm usually, I usually laugh at that because it is funny. Um, but as you go through this journey, you can usually tell when someone means it in a very hard, heartfelt joke manner versus someone who's trying to be a little bit malicious for whatever reason, you can usually tell the difference. And that's, yes. that's, that's something I wanted to get into. Like, how do you set the tone? Because like Sarah said, like, you know, there's a difference between it coming from like somebody, you know, like a friend versus a stranger on the street who said, you know, I like your barber. Like, how do you set the tone? Because I feel like some days we're not in the mood to joke about our alopecia or find the humor in it. And then there's days where we're totally fine. Do you know what I mean? So how do you navigate through that? Again, it depends on the context because, you know, they chose to say what they said. So it's my choice, how I respond and I have to evaluate. And sometimes I have to evaluate very quickly because I don't have a lot of time to really think on how I want to respond. So if I'm having a day and my insecurities are through the roof and I'm out and about doing my thing, I've had many occasions where I just bite my tongue and roll it off and laugh and go my way. And I think it's something that I've I've learned to do because I was excessively bullied as a kid and I I've lived through a lot of trauma in that and how to navigate that. So I think that to me has become second nature in my own story. But then, like I said, there have been times where if someone is, um, I get the sense being rude about it, I will say something. I was like, you know, I don't know where you're coming from. And it's giving me the feeling that you don't have kindness or it's again it just depends but I will say something to the effect of you know I don't feel comfortable having this conversation because I'm not feeling okay I don't feel safe I thank you that you are curious about me but I'm going to end this conversation right here and go my way I hope you have a nice day so again it depends on the context and the person and the and the and, and what you're feeling in that moment because from my journey and speaking from my experience, I usually don't have a lot of time to think about how I'm going to react. I just react and it has to be quick because it's everyday people in everyday life um, having everyday interactions. So, um, and it, like I said, it's become second nature. There are times in most cases, I just roll it off, have a conversation. But if I get the sense of someone's trying to be very rude, I will say something about it. Okay. Right. Did I answer your question? No, you totally did. It's almost like, it's almost like, and I'll, ladies, please chime in. It's almost like we have to have this elevator pitch. That's Carmen. What is it? Carm. I can never say this word. Car- I have faith in you. 
Oh, like, you know, like when you come, huh, how do you say it? When you come, when you compartmentalize, yeah, 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 yeah. There. <laughs> tongue twister this morning, <laughs> but like, it's like, you have to like categorize, like what you're going to say or how you're going to say it, depending on the context. Do you guys feel like we have to have these elevator pitches ready to go? I think you always have to be ready because you never know who's going to be around the corner. Who's going to ask you next about your alopecia or make some comment that you need to be able to respond to. But I think mm-hmm. like Jen said too, like sometimes we just don't want to respond. Sometimes we just need to be able to laugh it off as well. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so it's being ready almost for any situation. You're an alopecian and you choose to embrace this part of you. You are going to trigger people's insecurities that they haven't worked mm-hmm. through. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that us as alopecians need to do is just know and accept that when you go outside, you're going to get stares. You may or may not get questions. You may or may not get comments, but know that people will see you. People are going to wonder and think and make assumptions. And I think as you embrace that, it gets easier to be out bald more openly because you can only control what you can control. I can't control what people say, what people do and what people react, but I can control myself and how I respond. And, Mm -hmm. and to what I think one of you said, you know, you don't have to respond. You really don't like, and with anything I spoke about today so far, if you're really having a day and you really don't want to respond, you don't have to. It's your personal space. You're out and about running errands, doing a target run, spending too much money. You know, you shouldn't be spending because it's target. We have that problem here in the States. Um, So, you know, you don't have to respond either. You still have that choice because you are your own individual person. And even if you still had hair, if someone came up to you trying to talk to you about something and you weren't in the mood for talking, you would let them know, um, hey, great meeting you, but I'm kind of busy right now. So I'm just going to go and I hope you have a great day. It's the same thing. So I guess one of my last questions would be, you know, what have you learned about laughing? Has there been any takeaways for you over the years about why you need to laugh it off sometimes? That's a really good question. I've had to think on this one. And I think for me, for my personal journey, as I've learned to embrace and love myself through my mental health journey is when I truly genuinely laugh, I actually like the sound of my laugh. Hmm. When I, and it, you know, you know, you know how it is sometimes when we're out in public and people try to make a joke and you think it's not funny, but you laugh out of politeness. So you have your fake laugh that sounds believable. <laughs> so um, I, I have found that when I have a genuine laugh, I really like the way I sound. I like that I'm having a moment where I feel happy and I can laugh no matter what it is, whether it's watching one of my shows and they make a joke and I have a really good hearty laugh, or if I'm out with friends and we're just joking around being silly, Um, I I have found that I've enjoyed my natural laughter and that feeling that comes with it. So as I continue to embrace being an alopecian, a bald woman in public out in the open with, with nothing to hide, literally and metaphorically, 
I, I think that's also helped me embrace this, you know, having those moments where I can make a joke and genuinely laugh about it and encourage people, hey, it's funny. It's okay to laugh. Um, it's helped me in more ways than I can count. So, but yeah, I, I love the sound of my natural laughter. I love that. That's so beautiful. And I think that relates really well to like talking about our mindset, right? And how we think about ourselves and how we talk to ourselves. So I really like that you you have that positivity about uh, something something that you love to do, right? Something that you love to do, laugh. Yeah, if anyone can make me laugh, I'm going to like you automatically. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really appreciate you sharing that, Jen, because I think when we have, when we're experiencing alopecia, regardless of what stage in our journey we're in, it's so easy to get caught up in being self-deprecating, doubting ourselves, you know, going through that comparison Ferris wheel and just being in a negative state. Do, do you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. I think finding the humor and understanding that, you know, this is an opportunity for me to change the game in my mind and how I talk to myself, how I, how I look at myself. And the fact that you said, I like the sound of my laughter, like that's a huge game changer when it comes to our mindset and how that connects with our alopecia, because if we can find the humor in it, then we're just, we're one step ahead. We're getting there, you know? Mm -hmm. So I don't know. How do you feel about, I guess, what ways do you, uh, how do I say it? What are ways that you try to combat that in terms of how you talk to yourself? Like, how do you shut out those self-deprecating moments if you have any or, you know, comparing yourself? Yeah. Like, do. how do you, how do you, how do you combat that? Um, gosh, it's, it's, it's a battlefield. It still is mm -hmm. because I, I'm a perfect, I, I, excuse me, Lord, I'm sorry. That's a lot. <laughs> I am imperfect. I am a human that is imperfect. I have flaws and alopecia is one of them. And it's a flaw that will show because I choose to let it show. Mm -hmm. So one of the, I think one of the best decisions I've made in my life is going into therapy and helping me because one of the things mm -hmm. that alopecia does is it not only brings up other people's insecurities, it brings up my own. Anything that I've buried deep down that I thought I have moved past, I am beyond this now. Mm -hmm. No, um, comes right back up to the surface. And the fact that knowing that one of the things I have to do every day is look in the mirror every day mm -hmm. at me with no hair anywhere. There are some days I'm fine. Then there are other days, especially when I'm doing something like this and going outside of my comfort zone and going, hi, look at me. I'm going to talk about alopecia and how it's great and not great. It's, it gets in your head. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. um, so I would say for anyone, therapy is great. Everyone needs therapy. Find a therapist to help you through this. And then with my journey with my therapist, she's not an alopecia. And so she's actually learning a lot from me because when I have things that get that are getting triggered and brought up, she's learning about alopecia and the effects it has on my mental state. And if she happens to get another alopecian, a person later down the road, she'll know what to do because she's experienced me. So she's helping me and yet I'm helping her in return. And then um, on those days where I'm just really feeling it, where I'm just 
My insecurities are not leaving me alone. Um, I have affirmations that I say, but then even with those affirmations, because, you know, sometimes saying affirmations all the time, the same old song and dance every day gets tiring. Right. Um, I just, I've decided that whenever I have my emotions, I choose to feel them. I choose to feel them. I choose to let them out and not keep them in my body and to say, I'm feeling this. I'm feeling this today. So because I'm feeling today, why am I feeling it? What triggered me today? What got me upset? Is it because something happened at work that I'm not happy about and it's triggered these insecurities? Or is it because I didn't complete this task today that I really wanted to get done? But it's, you know, progress is progress. The fact that I made progress is still good. So learning also to evaluate why you're feeling insecure, but then feel those feelings. You need to feel mm-hmm. them. If you don't feel them and process them, then going through this journey is going to be a lot harder. And that also has to do with our mindset, because when you start to acknowledge feel your feelings and what you're feeling and allow yourself to feeling them, it's going to help with healing and it's going to help you to grow and blossom in this. So um, sometimes affirmations work. Sometimes, some days, no, they don't work. And that's when I choose to really feel my feelings and just say, hey, I'm a hot mess. I feel this. I feel this. I feel this. I feel this. And this is where I am. And then saying, okay, great. Do it. Be mad. Cry. Be sad. But then think about why at the same time, if you can. Mm -hmm. I would agree with you, Jen. And I'm sure that others can relate to this, but I personally find often looking in the mirror can feel challenging because like you mentioned, alopecia amplifies your insecurities and it does stir a great amount of vulnerability. But to create those pockets where we can feel tough emotions and not suppress them really is essential because however hard we try, we can't just drop into our lives and exclusively feel all the positive parts. It's important to stay open to all of it and therein we can identify what we can control and what does or doesn't serve us. And I think that's where also refining our self-narrative is so effective. Yeah, you have to. I mean, if you don't. Yeah, I, I feel I feel that because I like you had mentioned before, it's really a roller coaster. And, you know, I had lots of self-deprecating and unhealthy habits. Like I was overeating, I wasn't eating at all, or I was not sleeping at all. I would hide food. Like food seemed to be my security blanket, you know, and then even just comparing myself to other people or, you know, why me, you know, and it it was very, very hard. I I would cry all the time. And it came to a point like you, I was like, okay, enough is enough. I I am going to go to therapy. And in therapy is where I also discovered that it not necessarily was all about the hair loss. That was just the icing on the cake. That was the cherry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like it was like, that's, Mm-hmm. that's what needed that's what I needed in order to get me into that therapist chair but it wasn't all about that hair loss and when I think when you start to peel back the layers outside of your alopecia it helps to recognize and for you to connect the dots so that you can deal with your alopecia because alopecia is just a part of it you know 
Yeah, I can. I I agree 100% because the real reason why I went into therapy to begin with was because I lost my mom to cancer. And mm. for me, that was a huge loss. And I'm an only child. I don't have siblings. So my mom was my true number one support. And that was gone. Mm. I had no one else like my mom in the way she saw me born, grow, struggle, grow, struggle, grow, struggle, and knew me better than anyone else from the best parts of me to the worst parts of me. And so for me, not only as a daughter, but then as an alopecia losing that one person that I knew was always in my corner was devastating. And when I went into therapy and started working through that and then all the other issues that came up naturally with my alopecia that came up too. And how, how my alopecia got tied to other insecurities that came from my past and not necessarily from it necessarily. Cause most of my young life, I had hair. I wasn't bald like I am now. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, to your point, Crystal, absolutely. It's it, it, it's a, a piece of the puzzle to unlock the other things that have happened in the past that need to resolve. I am, Jen, I'm, I just want to say I'm so sorry for your loss. Yeah, that must have been incredibly difficult to go through, especially with everything going on with your alopecia too. And how did you, how did you find the strength to continue moving forward as your mom was your big support system? Like, how did you find a way to continue laughing and doing your everyday things? Um, not easily. Uh, I'm a person that believes in prayer. So prayer definitely helps, but I know that's also the usual answer that people say, just pray. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there are some days where I don't want to, cause I'm mad. I'm angry. Um, but it's like I said before, when, when I lost my mom, I said to myself, I'm going to grieve. Whenever I feel like crying, mm. I'm going to cry. And one of the things that helped me that may seem strange because with the way we react to things, one of the things we want to do is wipe our tears right away. I wouldn't do it. I would let my face feel the tears on my face mm. um, and just take that in. So I chose to really grieve. And, you know, it was just, it, it was really with the situation I was in, it was very hectic. So I didn't really have a choice, but to move forward because of the circumstances I was living through at the time, there were things I had to do. I had to get done that had to resolve. So I didn't have an option, but to keep being busy and staying active. So that was helpful because it forced me to keep living, to keep getting up, even though I was suffering and feeling pain. But because there's other stuff I, I had to get done, I didn't have a choice. It was either do it or who knows. So um, that situation forced me to get up every day and to take one step at a time. And then once I got through that, I came to a point with my grieving. I said, this is not good. I need a therapist. I'm, I'm going into a darker place and I don't like it here. And then being an alopecia on top of it, was not helping either because then my insecurities with my alopecia got worse because my mom's not there. So, and then dealing with the loss of that person and then dealing with the fact that I'm an alopecia and I'm going through all these adjustments that I have no control over. Um, I hated every moment of it, but taking it one step at a time and again, choosing to feel the feelings. I think that's so important. You have to feel your feelings. 
Mm-hmm. And getting help, you need to get help. Um, t- just making those decisions when I did have really helped me to continue to move forward and then to continue finding the funny because it doesn't happen overnight. It happens with the progression of time. The more that I choose to do the work and to acknowledge where I am, but then having those moments, like I said earlier, where someone just said something because it was a natural phrase that people have said. And he just wasn't thinking, you know, he had a lot going on in his mind. He was just, he wasn't thinking, he just said something and he didn't mean any harm by it. Hence why I made the joke because I knew he wasn't being like, so you don't have hair, huh? That would have been a completely different conversation. Right. So, but yeah, um, I was, my situation forced me to, which helped me continue to take the steps I needed to do in my healing journey. When you're put in that position, you just have to find a way to keep moving forward we're with ourselves, you know, every day, 24 seven, right? So we have to find a way to continue moving forward and finding that joy and uh, just really be our own best friends, right? Through everything. And I think- You have to start liking yourself in order to do that. Exactly. Mm -hmm. You know, finding joy sometimes comes at the expense of being vulnerable and putting yourself out there, right? So I believe it is worth it to take that risk and be vulnerable and to, to live a full life and, you know, become your own best friend. It's so interesting where people have the thought of, I just want to be seen and known. And then we get alopecia. I don't want to be seen and known. Leave me alone. (laughs) Don't look at me. (laughs) Thank you for sharing that, Jen. I, I was, I was teary eyed. I was trying to hold back. I was getting emotional. Yeah. I was like, let me not cry on this, this, this meeting. I didn't know I was going to talk about this. It just happened. (laughs) Jen, you've shared so much wisdom. Thank you so much. We really do appreciate it. To wrap us up, is there any other insight that you'd like to share with our listeners? Um, I was thinking about this and instead of words of wisdom, I actually would like to offer a challenge to all of your listeners. For for the next seven days, because I'm I'm doing this, what, what what I say and what I'm talking about, I'm doing. Uh, I would say for the next seven days, whenever you look in the mirror, when you get up in the morning, just say, hello, gorgeous. Hello, handsome. Hey, good looking. And make that a habit for the next seven days. And then if you journal, journal about that experience and what has happened to you in those seven days, just by doing that. That's phenomenal. Challenge accepted. 1000%. I'm starting right now. Yes. Please, Please hold. Hello, gorgeous. How are you? <laughs> yep. So that's what I wanted to bring to the table. That is wonderful. That is beautiful. I hope all of our listeners out there, you know, uh, take up that challenge and, and, and just do their best, have grace with it. Mm-hmm. And please share with us your emotions and feelings. Like we want to hear from you. And I think it's so important that we recognize that we're human and it's okay to feel the feels. Absolutely. Feel your feelings. It's good for you. This has been a great conversation. I loved every moment of it. Thanks so much, Jen, for being here. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in.